listening to audio from Faith Church, located on the north side of Indianapolis. If you'd like to check out more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithchurchindy.com. Hi, Faith Church. We're the Green family. And we're going to read John 14, 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are so many rooms. If not so, why would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will and will take you to myself that where I am going you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. How I said to him, Lord, do we not know where you are going? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This This is is the word of the Lord. You know, you kind of half expect that video to, to like be a transition to live where Micah busts in the back doors and comes running down the aisle, right? Shouting thanks be to God or something like that. Johnny, make a note. We should plan that for one of these. Thank you. Oh, it's been uh, quite a week, hasn't it? Uh, if, if you're like me, you found yourself many times over the last couple of days uh, hitting refresh on your web browser, uh, hoping there's news, like just somebody tell me what's happening. Uh, and then, I don't know, did you find yourself just reading the same headlines over and over again? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It, it got to the point where I realized, like, this is probably not healthy. Uh, And so I decided, well, I'm going to try and get some focused work done. Like, I'm going to work on my sermon. And then I realized that's not, yeah, that's not easy um, to focus in this whatever is happening. So I switched over to planning for a a trip that our family is hoping to take uh, next summer. Because, you know, looking at pretty pictures on the internet and dreaming about being there is basically all the happiness that's left for us right now. (laughs) <laughs> our, our family, though, we love to, to travel. We love uh, exploring new places, th- places we've never been. The, the worst thing for us is to get into one of those like tour groups that takes you from place to place to place so you see all of the things you're supposed to see when you go somewhere. We would much rather drop somewhere and just wander and sort of discover things that we wouldn't have discovered otherwise. Uh, serendipity is what it's called. It's one of our, our sort of family... Uh, core values. Um, ranks higher than safety. Safety third. That's our motto. Serendipity, uh, it's that, that sense of um, discovering something you, you didn't know you were looking for. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, you're going somewhere and you suddenly discover something, you experience something, you come across something you, you didn't know you were looking for. Uh, the New York Times best-selling author Eric Weiner uh, calls himself a uh, philosophical traveler, which I did not know was a title that you could claim for yourself, but I have now claimed it for myself as well. And he writes about his ongoing obsession with visiting places where, as he puts it, he says, the distance between heaven and earth collapses, and we're able to catch uh, glimpses of the divine or the transcendent. Or as I like to think of it, he says, the, the infinite something. There's a lot riding on that, something. 
when my family travels, you know, most of the time we're, we're looking for that kind of experience, even if we don't know that's what we're looking for. And then the cliffs of Dover emerge out of the mist, and it's serendipity. You didn't even know you were looking for it, and there it is. Are you, we stumble into an underground wine cave in Paris, or we, we discover a 1,800-year-old church carved in the side of a rock wall in a hill in Cappadocia. It's like serendipity. I didn't even know we were looking for this. Coming over the hill uh, above a lake in Iowa and seeing a rainbow below us. It's just serendipity. Others use different words to describe this sense of us all looking for something more. Some people call it uh, flow or uh, a sense of fullness, uh, but a lot of people call it a sense of the, the transcendent. That's a, a $5 word, I know, especially for some of you guys who uh, maybe would struggle to, to spell that, but the, the word transcendent basically just means something outside of this world. Something that our senses can't grab onto, really. It's not something you can taste or something you can touch, but it feels like it, it comes from outside of this world, breaking into, breaking into this world and our experience of this world. It's transcendence. And a lot of times when we travel or when we build things or when we create new things or when we work hard or when we study or when we do, we're, whatever we do, we're actually kind of searching for that sense of something outside of this world. Uh, but this morning, a question I want us to consider is, what if that transcendence came looking for us? What if we didn't have to go find it? What if transcendence had already found us? Uh, the last few weeks, we've been in the Gospel of John looking at these statements of Jesus where he says, I am, and then fills in the blank, I am the bread, I am uh, the vine, I am the, the, the light, I am the gate. You know, we peel back the layers on those statements because they reveal something about the deep desires of our hearts to, to be fed, to, to be let in, to be connected, to, to see and I'm not sure that there's a deeper longing than this desire to, to touch uh, transcendence, uh, to feel lifted up out of this uh, mundane world, uh, to experience something uh, bigger, something greater than ourselves, something that gives this kind of day-to-day a, a sense of, of meaning that outlives us, something that uh, seems to invite us into a different kind of life, introduces us to a, a different kind of happiness than we could find uh, elsewhere. And that's what takes us to John 14, 1 through 7, the, the verses we just heard read. Uh, because in this passage, Jesus is hinting at something even better than finding transcendence. He's telling us that Transcendence actually came to find us. It's more than us just knowing the transcendent, whatever there is outside of this world. It's that the transcendent actually wants to know us. 
Uh, if, if you're taking notes or writing anything down, that's the big idea, the key idea. Everything I'm talking about is really that, that the transcendent, the one above everything, wants to know us. So turn with me to John 14. We're going to jump in. Uh, we're going to kind of go through these seven verses and a few before and then a few after. Uh, and, and while we go through these, I want to pull out a couple of lessons for us before we dig more into this idea that the transcendent one himself wants to know us and unpack what that means for us. So John 14, let's jump in. Uh, but before I get to verse one, let me set the context here. So this discussion that, we're, that we've heard read, we're about to read and, and consider, is happening uh, in the context of the Last Supper. So Jesus has, um, they've eaten, Judas has already left to go betray Jesus, so it's him and the 11 guys that are left. Uh, they're continuing to sort of finish up the supper and beginning the process of what's coming next, going to the garden, and Jesus is trying to get everybody ready for the fact that he's leaving, his crucifixion is coming. And so if you back up a couple of verses into 13, around 31 or so, he's, he's basically saying, I, I've been with you, but now I'm going. Uh, I came here for a reason. It's time for me to go do what I came to do. And this path that I'm about to walk on, you can't follow. Uh, you can't come with me. He says, but when I leave, I need you to remember something, and it's this, a, a new commandment in John 13, 34, love one another even as I have loved you. In the same way that I have loved you, I want you to love one another. That's, you're going to need that kind of love if you guys are going to stay strong and together after I'm gone, before I come back. Love one another. And Peter jumps in. And he says, okay, okay. Jesus, this whole love one another thing is great, but what do you mean we can't come with you? He's like, why can't we follow you now? I'm I'm happy to follow you now. I'd lay down my life for you. I would die for you if that's what it took. And Jesus says, oh, Peter, would you really lay down your life for me? And in just a few hours, a rooster's going to crow, and you'll have already denied me three times. Of course, you can't hear something like that without being a little bit shaken. And actually, I think Peter's a, a lot shaken. Uh, homework, look ahead and see where he shows up next in the story. Not right now, but later. Uh, it's, it's really interesting, but uh, we're not going to go there right now. It, so Peter, he, he's subdued. He no longer enters the story for quite a while, but uh, before he exits the story, he teaches us something pretty important. Peter's saying to Jesus, like, hold on a second. What do you, Jesus has said, I'm leaving, and, and Peter's like, no, 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 we're not, we're not done here yet. We're not done. There, we've been following you because we wanted to find the, the kind of relationship with God that, that you have had. You, you've showed us this relationship with God that is so, uh, so overwhelmingly intimate that you, you call God your Father, and we, we want that. There's something more that we want, and we don't have it yet. You can't leave, at the very least, you can't leave me behind. Peter's saying, look, I don't know what it takes to find it, but if I have to die, I will. Just don't leave me behind. There's something more that I want. The Germans have a word for it, uh, which I will now mispronounce for all of you. Uh, Zensucht, or something like that. 
uh, S-E-N-S-U-C-H-T, sensucht. And, and it's this, if, if it translated directly into English, I would just use the English translation, but it doesn't. It's something like an inconsolable longing uh, or thinking wishfully, some people call it. it it's, a, it's a desire for something, something more that human ability can never achieve. It's the sense of being overwhelmed by a, a longing, a, a desire that cannot be met, at least not in, in this world. Many of you are familiar with the writings of C.S. Lewis, a great British Christian author of the last century. He used this phrase to, and said this, this is basically the key theme of his life. The key story of his life is this inconsolable longing. He said that's the center of his existence. Uh, but rather than obsess about the feeling itself, others living the same time as Lewis, like Freud did, uh, he says rather than obsess about that feeling, he says that, that feeling is valuable as a pointer to something else, something, he said, that is other and outer, something outside of this world. So that inconsolable longing is not meant to be fulfilled in this world. It points to something outside of this world, and like any good signpost, don't spend a lot of time looking at the sign. <laughs> Follow the sign to where it's pointing you to. I think that, that phrase, that concept, that inconsolable longing is what Peter's expressing here in these few verses just before chapter 14. It's like, you, you can't leave yet. We're not done. There's got to be something more. I'm not, I'm not ready for you to go yet because I haven't found what I'm looking for. But Jesus says he's... He's leaving. Peter's not ready to give up the quest for something more. Now, back to the story, chapter 14. I mean, the first lesson that we can easily pull out as we look at this leading into chapter 14 is we all want something more. There's a, a desire for something, some inconsolable longing that we all live with. Peter's exemplifying it for us here and probably for the rest of the disciples as well. We want something more. Now, let's jump into 14 because... The next guy to interrupt is going to teach us a little something more about this. Back to the story. Peter's shaken. He's subdued by Jesus' prediction of his betrayal. The other 10 guys are looking at him like <laughs> he's the bravest and the brashest of the bunch, and he's not going to make it through the next 12 hours? Like, <laughs> what are my chances, right? And so the whole, the whole room has suddenly just like gone silent. And Jesus looks at him and verse 1, he says, let, let not your hearts be troubled, which is Bible speak for, guys, it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be okay. Don't get bent out of shape about this. He, he goes on, he says, look, you, you trust God. You, you can trust me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going, and where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will follow later. Uh, but I'm going, but I'm going to my dad's house. I mean, he's got all of these rooms, and I'm going to get them ready for you. And if I weren't going to get them ready for you, I wouldn't have told you that I was. And I would have told you that there, if there weren't rooms, I would have told you there weren't rooms. I'm going to get these rooms ready for you. And if I go, it means I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to take you with me back to my father's house, and then you will be there with us for eternity. And Thomas jumps in and he says, that's not very clear. 
He's like, okay, hold on. You said you're going, but we can't follow, but we will follow later. But where we're going, you're going, we can't go, but we will go. And, and then you said in, in verse four here, I hadn't read it yet, but he says, and, and you, Jesus, you just told us, you know, we know the way to where you're going. It's like, but we don't know where you're going. We have never heard of your dad and his big house. Uh, is it on the other side of the Jordan? Where is it? He's like, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Have you ever found yourself in one of those like friend caravans where you're all like, oh, hey, let's go to this one guy's like, let's go to this place that I know. And everybody's like, okay, where is he? He goes, oh, just follow me. And so you get in your cars and you follow. And then he blows through a yellow light and you're stuck there and he's gone. And you're like, I don't know where we were going. So I'm, I don't know where I'm supposed to turn. I mean, this is, this is what Thomas uh, is experiencing, and it's, it's frustrating for this guy. He has, just a couple of chapters earlier, Thomas is the one who said, when Jesus was like, hey, we got to go to Bethany because uh, Lazarus has fallen asleep, Jesus said, or Thomas is like, well, if we do that, you realize they're trying to arrest you and kill you. He said, well, we got to go, and Thomas says, all right, well, if we're, if we're going to die with him, we might as well go to die with him. Thomas is like, I'm all in. And so when Jesus does this whole thing about uh, you can't come, but then you will, and you know where I'm going, and Thomas is like, <laughs> he's not the kind of guy who's like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, no, that, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> he goes, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way if we don't know where you're going? And what Thomas teaches us is not just what you know, Peter taught us that we're all looking for something more. And Thomas says, not only are we looking for something more, but we don't know how to find it. We don't know the way. These are guys who had been following Jesus for years in order to figure out how do we get to that more. That sense of a relationship with God like what Jesus, like, like his relationship with God. Nobody'd seen anyone living with this kind of a relationship with God. And they're like, we, we want that. We want that more. How do we find it? And I think what, what Thomas is wrestling with here is he's, he's still waiting for Jesus to teach him the way. Teach him the secret, the formula, the recipe Tell me what I have to do. Tell me how I have to live. Tell me how I have to think in order to have the kind of relationship with God that you do. Tell me what I have to do. Where do I need to go? What way do I need to follow in order to relate to God like this? And then Jesus interrupts here and he says, Thomas, Thomas, I'm not here to teach you the way. He says, I am the way. I'm not here to give you the secret to life. I am life. He says, I'm not here to tell you true things. It's like, I am truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am God's way, God's truth, God's life. I am God. Jesus is saying. Thomas and the other disciples have been following, looking for the formula, the recipe, the, the secret, the show us what we need to do. Show us what path to follow. And, and here Jesus says, <laughs> Thomas, there's no path to follow. I'm the path. Follow me. And it's this moment of serendipity. Serendipity. 
They find something they didn't even know they were looking for. Because Peter has interrupted and said, we want something more. And Thomas has interrupted and said, we don't know how to find this something more. And Jesus said, you don't have to find it. I came to find you. I'm the way. And this at least, it clears up part of the, the mystery here, because when Jesus says he's going away, I think the disciples are going like, well, hold on a second, I thought we were the ones, are you going on a new teaching? Are you trying to find new disciples? Are you done with us? Do you need new ones? Are we not good enough anymore? And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm the one who, gets, who takes you to the Father, who comes and brings you with me, to the Father. I'm like, okay, well, at least, at least now we understand. He's, it's not like he's just going on another teaching tour. He's going back to the Father. He, he had, John had told us already in your reading of the gospel that yet Jesus knew it was time to go back to the Father, but he hadn't told his disciples yet. So this is, this is their kind of first clue of it, that, oh, he's going back to the Father. That means the spiritual realm outside of space and time. The last time I plugged the spiritual realm into Google Maps that said, no results found. So you can understand how they're confused. And Thomas is struggling. I don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way. See, Peter has shown us, I mean, we, we want something more. Jesus, you can't leave without getting us where we want to go. And, and Thomas interrupts to say, Jesus, if you leave, we don't know how to get there. We don't know how to find this something more. But then the rest of the story tells us that we don't go find this something more. This something more comes and finds us. Uh, jump back into the story again, uh, verse 7 especially. See, we've started to get a hint of this, that the something more finds us in verse 6. You know, when Jesus says, I'm the way and I, I came to you. But in verse 7, it goes on. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Which is a way of, of translating and reading the, the, you know, the Greek that's behind this in a way that's a little down on the apostles or the disciples. Some of you may have another translation that says something like, um, if you really knew me, you would have known my father. Um, come ask me about it later if you're interested. There's, there's some really interesting Greek stuff and like manuscript stuff that's happening underneath here that we don't want to get into, but I think, I'll just say, suffice it to say, I think the best way to read this sentence is a little more positively. It fits the whole story overall. Read it more like this. If you have known me, implied answer, and you have... So if you've known me, or because you've known me, since you've known me, if you've known me and you have known me, then you will come to know the Father also. Okay, it's not this negative, like, well, if you'd really known me, then you would have already known God. No, it's, it's more positive than that. He's saying, if you've really known me, which you have, we've been together for these three years, you're, you're getting this. If you've known me, you will come to know the Father. It's like, I, I can guarantee it, you will know him. You will know my father also. Which we, we have to remember, this, this is absolutely revolutionary for the way people think about relating 
to God, especially in this context, because Jesus goes on to say in the second half of this verse, right, if, you, if you've known me and you, and you have, you will come to know the Father. In fact, he says, from now on, you do know him. You've seen him. It just blows their minds. Because throughout the Old Testament, the word know is used of the most intimate of relationships for someone to know someone else. It is almost never used of the relationship between a person and God, of the person knowing God. Once I found it in just a quick skim, so there may be more because it was a quick skim, but only once did I find it, and it was in this future sense of like, hey, before this guy came to know God. So when, when Jesus says, like, you can know God, I think the first thought is, well, yeah, I mean, at the end, that's what we all hope for is after we die, we, we know God, we're with God. And, but he says, no, from now on, you know him. You've, you've seen him. So the whole situation has, has changed as a result of, what, of who Jesus is and what he's doing on the cross. His, his followers can not just know about God or hope to know God one day, but they can know God now. We know this is revolutionary because in verse 8, Philip just jumps right in and interrupts. He says, uh, okay, Jesus, this whole you going back and coming back and taking us with you and the big house and all that, that's great. You know, just introduce, show us the Father now. Introduce us to the Father. That's enough for us. That's all we want is to know God the way you're describing. Why go through all of this other stuff? Just introduce us now. And, and I wish we had time to go through the rest of it because there's all this fascinating stuff in the passage. Jesus is, he, he responds, he's like, oh, come on, I've been with you for so long. Like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. The things I do, I don't do, but he does through me. It's by his power and you're gonna do, and it just goes on and on like that. There's a lot of great stuff in here, but, but, but Philip is jumping in and, and interrupting like all through this passage <laughs> to jump in and say, this, you're, that's what we want. Just take us to the Father now. And Jesus, and now Philip, there's a few other things that have to happen first. But you've seen the Father. You know the Father because the Father came looking for you in me. See, Peter jumps in and the beginning of this story, and he says, no, there's something more. We need something more. And then Thomas jumps in, and he's like, and we, we don't know where that more is, and we don't know how to find it, but we believe you're the one who can tell us. And Jesus says, I'm not just here to tell you. I am the way to something more, to this more that you want. And even more than that, the transcendent, didn't, it's, it's not out there for you to find. The transcendent one has become Imminent is the word. That means in this world has become imminent, has become close in order to find you. You can know him. So let me wrap this up. I've, I've, I'm getting, I've, I've realized as I'm getting older that more and more of my life is, uh, is haunted by this sense of... Um, transcendence, that, that there's got to be something more outside of the world than just as I can perceive it, right? Um, or at least I'm finding in myself more and more this desire for something more. Uh, I'm not talking about a desire for more money or more 
clothes or more toys or you know, more recognition or more intimacy or more whatever, power. Uh, I'm talking about the desire behind all of those desires, the, the desire for a, a, a sense of um, fullness. I don't know if you, you resonate with this feeling, uh, this, this desire for... <sighs> the best way I can think of to describe it is for just um, life to line up. Do you know what I mean? For, for things to line up, to sort of make sense, to, to work together, that, that there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a meaning, there's a purpose behind it all, that, that all, of the, all of the daily, you know, get up, eat breakfast, go to work, eat lunch, try to work, eat dinner, do the chores, go to bed. Like, that's got to it's gotta mean something more than just I stayed alive for another day, right? Right? It's like I, w- I want to feel like I'm, I'm building towards something or con- contributing to something. It's this haunting sense of there must be something more. Like, I'm not just sitting here twiddling my thumbs, distracting myself until I die. Maybe I'm ahead of my age for um, these deep, dark thoughts, or maybe I'm behind. I'm not really sure. But, but in John 14, the, uh, the disciples are living that same story. There, there is a, there's the possibility of a relationship with the one who created everything. That possibility is out there, and they're saying, I, that's what I want. That's what everything in my life is driving at. I want that. I want, I want more. And like us, they don't, they don't know how to get to that. And then we read Jesus in this passage saying, look, you're longing for more. You're looking for the way. But the way has come looking for you. He says, I'm the way. I'm the way to what you desire most, to the one you desire most, to God the Father. He says, I've got this I got this big house. Got a dad with a big house, and there's room for everyone. Let me take you and introduce you to my father. If you've known me, you'll know him. So let me ask you some questions as we, we wrap this up. And, and first, I want to talk to uh, people in the room who you, you, you consider yourself a, a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus. Uh, first question do you find comfort in these words? Because, you know, when, when we usually look at this passage, of course, Jesus is making an exclusive truth claim, and so we often get in, pulled into these debates about the nature of exclusive truth claims and whether or not it's really uh, arrogant to make a, a claim of what's true and what's not true, but that's, it's not what Jesus is trying to do here. He's, when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, he's not trying to you know, put a stake in the ground of making some existential claim about the nature of ultimate reality. He's got 11 guys who are in despair because their world's falling apart, and he's just trying to comfort them. He says, I, I know everything is about to change. I know I'm leaving. I know the world is falling apart. I know you're, you are uncertain about the future. I know you don't know what's happening and what's coming next. He says, I, I know you, you feel like you haven't gotten where you want to be yet. There's something more, and you, you're not there, and you don't know how to get there. He says, look, let, let me just, okay, in the midst of all that anxiety, let me just tell you, I'm the way. 
I'm the truth. I'm the life. It's comforting. So are you comforted by His words? And who do you know that needs that comfort? Who do you know that their whole life is, I mean, you can see this, they are going after something more. Maybe it's the next job or the next promotion or the next business or the next opportunity or the next spouse or the next boat or the next car or the next whatever is going to make them happy. And they're just looking for something to scratch that itch for transcendence, that sense of sensitive, inconsolable longing. Who do you know that's living their life just trying to find that something more, but they don't know that it's in Jesus? There's got to be someone. So how, how can you introduce them to the one at the end of all their longings? So that, that's for us in the room who are believers. Are you comforted by these words? Who do you know that needs that comfort? But there's some of us, of course, here and watching online who uh, are maybe we're trying to figure out if we're actually followers of Jesus or we know that we're not followers of Jesus. And so we're trying to figure out how all this, how all this works and, and what Jesus is really saying here. So l- let me talk to you for a moment. It's, it's tempting to read the words of Jesus as him saying, I'm the way, let me teach you the way. I'm the way, now do everything that I say to do in here, and you'll get to know the Father. But he doesn't say that. He says, I'm the way. He's not saying your obedience is the way you get to know God. He says, I'm the way. He doesn't say your good behavior is how you get to know God. He says, I'm the way. You get to know God. He's not saying your, your faithfulness to exact right belief is how you get to know God. He says, no, I'm the way. If you know me, you'll know the Father. If you know me, you'll know God. So Jesus' invitation is to, to come to him and come to know him, to see him, to find in him the way. Not a, not a new set of directions to follow, not a map, but to find literally the way to God in Jesus. See, every other, every other philosophy of life or religion or life hack or, you know, way to do this thing we call humanity, every other way tells us, here's the path that you have to follow. Here's the way. Walk in this. But Jesus says, I'm the, only, I'm the only path that came looking for you. Because I'm, I'm the only path that when you wander off of me, I just move to be under you. I'm the only path, I'm the only way that actually gets you to what your heart desires most. The one who is outside of all, but has come into it all to show you the way. turns out transcendence isn't so much uh, an experience or a serendipitous moment. It's not just coming over the hill and seeing a a rainbow. I mean, that's part of it. It turns out transcendence is actually a a person who isn't up there shouting at us, come find me, but has come to find us. 
So let's pray. Father, like, like Peter, we acknowledge that we are not where we want to be. We know there is something more, even if it's just more, in our, more to our relationship with you or more in a sense of why we're here, what we're here to do. There's something outside of us that calls to us. Even for those of us that try to convince ourselves or tell ourselves over and over again, there is no God, there is no nothing, we're still haunted by this nostalgia for the transcendent that we can't let go of because you made us for yourself, for something more. With Thomas, too, we admit that we do not know the way. So we rest confident that Jesus himself is the way and will one day bring us face to face with you. What we ask for and hope, may you grant us in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.